G'day everyone, welcome to Have a Chat with Vaughan Hay. Today I've got a special guest in Andrew Bobcat Ryan, so I welcome Andrew today. Thanks for coming on. Cheers mate, great to be here. No, thank you. So we'll just start a little bit, if people don't know a bit about your background and all that, why are you called Bobcat? Yeah, well, I look at, 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 I picked up a nickname a long time ago actually, I was playing under 20s at Parramatta and um, we were doing a, a video of a game and a mate of mine who was from Dubbo as well, Luke O'Connor, he just said, he just blurted out, uh, you're, you're a bobcat, you're fat and square and slow, um, you look like a bobcat. And then they sort of jumped onto it and said that I look like the animal as well, squinty eyes and sort of a furry forehead as well. So, yeah, just stuck ever since really and that was, you know, 20 years ago. It's always always the case. The nickname you sort of don't want always sticks, doesn't it? So Yeah, that's uh, it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so coming from Dubbo originally, coming down into the you know Sydney of Sydney, um, and then joining well, your professional rugby league player, you've played at all levels, you know, clubs for the Bulldogs, Parramatta, and also for your your country and state. What made you? What brought you down? I know Footy did, but um, when you first arrived, how was it, and how did you perceive the whole experience yourself? Yeah, look, it was it was massive. You know, we'd obviously. I'd been to Sydney before a bit, but um, if I'm honest, I pretty much came down when I was in year 12 just to have an open trial at Parramatta under 20s. Um, I'd never really made my rep team in Dubbo, like my local group 11 Dubbo rep team or anything like that. Just sort of came down for an open trial and then, yeah, got an opportunity. They signed me on sort of a a one-year deal for the under 20s and moved down and, and... it sort of consumed me a fair bit, I suppose, first. You know, I was doing a landscaping apprenticeship and loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, but just sort of the size of Sydney and getting around and getting the job sites to training and and then training four nights a week and sort of just getting used to all that. It was it was a lot coming at once after leaving school and stuff as well. And, um, yeah, then I stayed around the second season and uh, I was pretty much just playing local park footy around that because if you didn't make the reserve grade side and I was too old they changed the the age group from under 20s to under 19 so if you didn't make the reserve grade side you sort of played in the local local competition the metro cup and pretty much by the end of that second year I was I sort of got injured playing footy I pretty much made a decision to sort of move back back home to Dubbo and then um yeah the reserve grade coach Peter Sharp sort of sort of do it I thought oh well if I go home now I'll sort of regret it forever so decided to Stay around. You, when was your first game in the NRL? Uh, Two thousand. Yeah, I made my made my debut after a couple of years, and um, yeah, sort of. Yeah, I guess once I, I made it into first grade, then sort of tried to um, things happened pretty quickly. You know, I was uh, I played sort of twenty four games in my first year of first grade, and sort of stayed around for another twelve years after that. Really. Yeah, which is awesome. And you would have seen a fair bit of transition through that period through how the sport came more professional and all that, but also for yourself. With what you, when you first started out in NRL and now what you see now being involved in it still, how much has it changed or what are some of the key things which have changed over the time, do you think? Yeah, look, I, I definitely think the, the post-football focus, you know, and that's something that I'm, I'm a massive part of. I work in the NRL wellbeing and education team, which I'm really proud of you know I work in that in transition space but yeah a lot of the players uh, have got a real focus on on getting some studies and education whilst playing but then having a bit of an eye on life after football as well because 
you know, the average games, although it's moved up a bit, the average NRL games is about 70 now. So but you're still getting guys that are playing 1, 2, 10, 20 games. So, yeah, you, you just need to prepare. Setting up yourself for after footy is pretty important with, you know, sometimes, like you said, 70 is an average, which, you know, which isn't much, you know, and you think about the rest of life you have ahead. You sort of said you started out as a landscaper. Once during your career, I know it came more professional, so you wouldn't have been able to work on the tools and all that stage. But near your back end or during your career, what did you implement in for yourself to sort of do that transition period moving on and now working in the NRL and helping you know, the current players do the similar thing? Yeah, well, I'd always sort of, I guess I was really fortunate just to, I never thought I was going to be an NRL player. So I guess once I played NRL, I was always worried about, I was a bit of a stress head, so I was always worried when it was going to end. So I thought, you know, I may as well try and get on the front foot and, and the NRL was getting better and better at offering guys education and doing a lot of that. So I tried to sort of jump into as many things as I could, small business courses and did some marketing at TAFE. And um, I never really thought I, I, was a, I was smart enough to go to university, if I'm honest, at school. I sort of thought oh, I'd just go down the trade sort of path and not, not saying in, um, anything about that. But, yeah, but then I, get, I guess I started to do a bit of, bit of training through TAFE and then went uh, tried to better myself and go to university and did some work experience on my day off and then all of a sudden started playing some good football as well. So it was a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, nice. Nice. So, yeah, you saw the importance of looking, you know, in that transition. And we're not just talking about professional sport, but in any aspect of people's life, if it's career, relationship, amateur sport or whatever, that transition period is always sometimes tricky and can be overwhelming for people, aren't they? So with the role you're playing now within the NRL, how can you make that or how do you make that process easier and clearer for people going through that? stage of their life yeah look it's for me it's a massive part of it is finding your purpose um what that purpose looks like you know i guess in in any transition any any sort of change um we can go through a bit of a dip and we can fall into some pretty bad cycles sometimes um but the big part is trying to find your purpose and you know i guess i wasn't sure what i was going to do for life after football or, or you know even life after school i guess a lot of people are in that that space as I guess we were fortunate where I got to be a professional athlete for 12 years and you're doing your number one passion and, you know, trying to find something close to that after, after sport is a challenge. But I guess it's, it's for everyone that's something you, you, we're always chasing that something that wants where you can bounce out of bed, you know. So finding that purpose linked in with your passion and, you know, it goes a long way to, to certainly being happy in your job. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think, yeah, purpose leads into passion, doesn't it? Because the passion comes from what you're finding um, within you, what you want to achieve. But it's sometimes people will say it's sometimes easier said than done, which I totally agree as well. Um, yep. Through your career, you've achieved so much, uh, premierships, state of origins, you know, playing for your country. What are probably some of the attributes you took, you know, being on the field in a professional environment? Sometimes we can think clearly in that environment because we feel comfortable and that's sort of, we can relate to it. What are some of the things you've taken from that and then, you know, implemented in your own personal life but then also forwarded it on to, you know, other like-minded people or people in similar interests or in a similar situation as you? Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of things that you can cross over from sport, those transferable skills. Um, you know, definitely being a, a key member of a part of a team, goal setting, time management, um, leadership. And, and, and I talk about leadership a bit, but not necessarily. You don't have to be 
um, a boss or a captain of a team to, to be a leader, you know, showing those attributes as a leader as well. So, um, you know, talking to young guys about if they see something going on to step in and, and make a difference. Um, so, but, you know, for me now, I suppose through this whole COVID period, a lot of us um, have our work circumstances have changed and I've actually gone back and I've been working, doing some landscaping a few days a week. So, you know, I actually love... So you're saying you, you love, you know, going back to, you know, what you, like the landscaping a little bit, you know, through this period just gave you a bit of realisation. Is that what you is that what you're saying? Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, not everyone gets to, to actually have their out-and-out number one passion or purposes. Talking a bit, bit about that passion and purpose again, you know, I guess um, through this period, I've had, I've had an unbelievable job in post-football, but to, to get this period to go back and do some landscaping, it, it, it just makes me realise how much I love just the team aspect of it. Yep. Getting there on, on a site, jumping in with a group of guys, working real hard, achieving something, ripping in and, and walking away and, and getting that job satisfaction as well, seeing some change and, and working in that team environment. So, yeah, look, we've just got to – maybe you're not going to achieve everything in, in, in what you're chasing in, in your job, but if you can get aspects that, that really make you, make you love it, like I guess I've been able to do in this period as well, it certainly makes it so much more enjoyable. Yeah, no, I agree. So team, I'm a big team, um, you know, uh, positive. Like I'm, I'm, I'm massive about team and I've been involved in, you know, a lot of sporting teams I've been involved in at an amateur level. But even now in a business or building my own coaching space, I want to build a team around me and have, you know, great people for mentors or bounce ideas. And then, you know, people can offer different skill sets and all that. So when you're talking about team, what, what do you look for in the team and how do you, why you've already highlighted why it's important but what are some of the key attributes um, within a team that can help personally but then help the people around you as well I oh, look I um, you know been been lucky enough to be be involved in in successful successful teams over the years um, talking about teams look I you know always I think back to, to people you can rely on um, and and trust you know and and I guess uh, sometimes in teams you learn more about your team when you're actually not going great and you learn about people around you and you, you learn about what makes people tick more so when there's tougher challenges and because I, I guess when the going's easy, um, sometimes it, uh, people just flow along and things get, get glossed over a little bit. Um, but, yeah, look, the, the, for me, in a team environment, a sporting environment and in a work environment, doesn't matter what the conditions, how you're feeling, what you what you what you feel like when you turn up on that day, being absolutely enthusiastic and and shaking all that off, and and having that trust in someone that you're working beside is is massive. Yeah, trust. Yeah, trust is a big thing, isn't it? For but within yourself as well, having the trust, you know, that you can provide or do the best you can do, and then yeah, they're trusting the person next to you or within that team. So um, now working with NRL players, do you feel like the the generation which is going through now, the things they've got to deal with, with the way it's come so, um, how the you know NRL's grown so much, and you know with social media and everything, they've got more things to deal with on a day to day basis. And if they do, what are some of the coping mechanisms to or identified to help use during these processes as well? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think they do. I think the the social media part of it is massive. Um, you know, there's 
everyone's, I guess, a journalist or everyone's got a camera, everyone's out there. So I guess that's that's been a pretty massive change through, you know, through the last sort of 15, 15 years or so. Um, I guess the other the other big things that's changed is salary caps get, got bigger and bigger and, um, you know, I guess with that, that comes some different challenges too because I guess if the average wage is increasing, it can be a, a further drop once you finish sport too. So that's why I believe that even more important that you, you prepare for life after sport and, and make sure that you've got an eye on life after sport to, to, so that's not as big a fall when, when, it, when the time does come to be to move into a role into life after sport. Um, but the great thing about, I guess, our game in the NRL too now, we've got wellbeing and education staff. There's two staff at every NRL club. So they're trained as career coaches. They've, they've had mental health first aid training as well. Um, so, and they, they go through and do the elite athlete wellbeing training as well. So, um, you know, they're, we're, we're really fortunate to have that support around the players. So, the, the top 30, 36 players get to work with these staff every single day to try and help them with whatever challenges, whether it be family, relationships, anything, any financial issues that they might be going through, they've got someone there that they can roll on every day. Yeah, definitely. That's that's great that they're doing that too because I think being you'd watch it in any sport or in any any um, career when people hit their highs so early in life, they probably then trying to find that similar level in or other aspects of life, you know, after that. And it can be dangerous and it can be, you know, um, an overwhelming time for anyone in that situation. So being able to implement these things and have some of those processes in place will also help, you know, that transition period, like you mentioned, um, you know, after footy or after whatever career you've already achieved your highs in. Um, then when finishing footy, did you have any um, concerns or anything which you had to face on the, like in, you know, the first couple of years finishing um, your career and then, Probably, did you have a family whilst playing or was it, did that all come yeah, after? Yes. No, so I had, had three kids while, whilst I was playing. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the challenges that, that I faced and I didn't even realise it was coming in some ways, I was so fortunate that the NRL gave me a job. Um, it only dawned on me the first day I was in that I'd never, ever had an option before. So I was driving into to work and... I was going, I don't know really what to do. Everything, every job that I had before was physical, whether it be a landscaper, whether it be my part-time jobs while I was at school as a paper boy or trolley boy, and, you know, and then professional athlete. So I'd been doing some studies but never worked in an office environment. So I've sort of walked in there on my first day and, and my boss, who's a champion guy, is still my boss to this day. He basically sort of said, there's your desk, there's your laptop, sort of go. And I was yeah. like, okay, I don't really know what to do here. Like everyone else was going off to meetings and ringing and, and doing all this stuff. So fortunately for me, I had a guy who um, was is a mentor and I, I played alongside him as well, Nigel Vungana, and he was a couple of years ahead of me in, in his transition. He was working in there as well. So he sensed pretty quickly that I was battling and didn't know what sort of I was doing in there. And you know, we spoke about that word before and he basically sat down and he, he said, you got to find your purpose, bro. Yeah. So I sort of went back down and wrote purpose and passion on the bit of paper. Then all of a sudden I started to write, what am I passionate about? Well, I'm passionate about country kids and, you know, what did I struggle with? I struggled with relocation and 
So I ended up developing a program to help country kids when they relocate from regional areas into into NRL environments. So we tried to take it back where we, we gave them an opportunity while they were still at school to come down and experience what it might look like going to an NRL club, get some strength and conditioning training, get a real insight into travelling around Sydney, catching a train, all those things um, that I didn't know how to do and I'd never experienced before. We started a program and we'd bring 24 country kids into Sydney and give them that experience. And, and that pretty much just set me off um, developing my own program and camps off the back of that. And, and my boss was, was really pumped about it too and sort of funded it ongoing as well. So that sort of really kick-started me. But, the, yeah, I was, it was pretty daunting. I guess you walk into a, a rugby league environment, you use your body and you can train every day and do, you know, control it that way. But trying to use your brain and, and use, use different aspects of, of uh, your knowledge to, to apply it in something that you're passionate about in your football, it ends up, you know, I'm really fortunate that I still get to work in the game as well. Yeah, give back a little bit. But it's it's interesting, you know, like you probably didn't know that was a passion or the purpose, you know, trying to help the country, even though you went through that and experienced it, you thought you were alone and doing that, you know, had to work it out yourself. But now being able to give that back is a huge bonus, um, not just to the NRL, but to the country kids and to create that opportunity for them to come into the city and, you know, make a career out of footy if that's what they want to pursue. But you mentioned mentor and having, you know, coaches around you. What's the importance of, you know, having a mentor and a coach and all that? Because playing footy, you have your coach, but coaches have coaches and all that. We all need to be, you know, sort of not held accountable, but to also to help grow and to develop ourselves. What, what do you see the benefits around that? Oh, massive. You know, I'm really fortunate that, that I've got a, f- a few mentors around me as well. You know, um, Matt Elliott is a guy who I've only, left, who I've only met sort of post football as well and we work really closely together we met each other doing some radio stuff and yeah. um yeah and and also a, a former general manager of football from Parramatta Greg Mitchell he's been a mentor for me as well but but I actually wish I had a, a mentor that was a bit neutral when I was a player as well that I was could have gone and been able to bounce some stuff off you know I remember talking to Craig Fitzgibbon uh, who's a former player as well coaching staff at the Roosters now, he, he had a mentor as a player, he, he, you know, and I didn't really know how to do that. You know, he sort of, he had some contacts and they, they tipped him into someone that had helped him out with, with some, you know, just being to bounce some things off as a player as well. So I actually wish I had that when and I was You're a, a saying someone player. outside the game was a mentor to him. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, someone not within a club or yeah. um, just someone neutral away that, has been around the game for a long time, but not directly involved yep. in a club that could sort of look at it with a different, different set of eyes, I guess, as well. Yeah, uh, that would, yeah, I reckon that's really benef- beneficial for everyone involved in that sense because sometimes mm. we do get caught up in our little world or our little environment and we're, we sort of don't look outside that and it sort of can trap us or isolate us to maximise our true potential as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thanks sir. Explaining a little bit more because I feel the benefits of that having those people around you can really make you personally grow But also you're giving back to them and helping them as well on the way because that that's probably helping them You know get some ideas as well or you know see things differently as well from your perspective. Yeah, and And you know, I'm fortunate to be a coach in a few different ways as well So you and you you would know yourself you actually learn so much more when you're you're there one-on-one with someone or you're trying to explain it and get your point across as a coach as well. So 
you know, there's different elements to that, not just coaching a group or, to, or addressing a group, doing that one-on-one stuff, which, which I really love as well. So yeah. but you, you learn more yourself when you, you're explaining that too and trying to break it, break it down. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Like in the, as a coach myself, a personal development coach, I actually get probably as much out as what clients get out, you know, in different ways. And, what, you know, both parties are getting so much out of it. And mm. people always say, don't you get drained when you do sessions and all that. But I actually don't because I'm connected with them. I'm present and I'm just in the moment. And so we're, we're taking on, we're not taking on that extra burden and all that. And it actually, once you come out of it and you evaluate, you know, some of the learnings, what they've, taken from it you sort of evaluate it from your perspective and it gives you some great insights as well so yeah it's quite sure yeah yeah no absolutely and you know off even you know on on some decisions around whatever's going on you know to be able to go on and bounce obviously you bounce it off your family or you bounce it you know my, my wife as well but have someone that's been around in, in, in business or in, in sport or whatever it might be to, yep. to just pick their brain, you know, and ask them about it is, is huge. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to finish up, what, what maybe a couple of key points you might want to give the listeners, you know, you've mentioned passion and purpose, which are probably the key ones, but any other little uh, key pointers or tips you might want to give people who are listening just in any transition period of their life um, to help them move through that and then find you know, some clarity on the other side as well. Yeah, so f- f- for a way, you know, we I spoke a little bit about getting in a cycle um, and, you know, in the, in the initial part of transition, you can be in that ending, losing, letting go part of part of it and, and you're still trying to fight through that. And for me, a- alongside with, with your passion and your purpose and trying to find purpose to get into that new beginnings or into that neutral zone, into the new, new beginnings, um, the other part for me is routine, yeah. is a massive part of it. So, you know, it's often in our lives, you know, if we, we think back to starting a new job or, you know, some people might be in a role for 15, 20 years and then all of a sudden it changes. So, and they've all of, all of a sudden got all this time on their hands and, and uh, it's I don't know. I, I guess a lot of people, all they want to do is not have a routine and just, oh, I can't wait to just have heaps of time on my hands. Yeah. But for me, whenever I've been in sport or, you know, in, in any sort of change or in some transition, the thing that I is dead set routine. It gives me structure. Yeah. And, and, and that's where I plug things into my routine to just keep me on track every day. First thing out of bed, I've got a routine where I, I do some exercise first thing in the morning. So you, you're finding that balance. And, and another big part of when we're going through a transition and change and, and some challenges around that is connection. Yeah. So connecting to others, reaching out, trying to help others because it helps ourselves as well. But, yeah, I'm massive on a routine that if, you, if your number one routine has been your job or, or whatever that might be and that's, that's not there at the moment, all of a sudden – you feel like you don't have a purpose. You feel like you don't have anything to achieve in the day. So you have to start to plug in in your routine, whether that be exercise, whether that be um, going to uh, whatever whatever it is yeah. you need to fill your yeah. fill your weekend. Yeah, no, yeah. couldn't agree more. Routine. I think we underestimate how powerful it is, and sometimes it doesn't have to be anything massive or you know over overbearing. It's just those little things which set the little steps that set you up to you know have more success, be more productive and, you know, have a clearer 
purpose or vision of where you want to head. And there's probably no better time from what we've just been through with the COVID, you know, being, you know, people losing jobs, people unsure of what's happening and all that. You know, it, the ones who probably created new routines through this period to just get through it, to get up in the morning, still keep motivated, keep doing that, probably came through it in a better, you know, mindset and a better, you mm. know, physical state and everything because they were able to implement new routines and were able to adapt to what was happening around them. Yeah, and especially with when you're working from home, you know, it can be quite distracting. There's always there's always things happening or there's always better things you could be doing. So if you if you've got that checklist as well alongside, if you've got your routine that's, you know, this is what I get out and I set up and do this at 8 o'clock or I do my exercise at, at 6.30 or I go for a walk or I go meet a mate on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays or yeah. whatever it might be, it just keeps us on track. And then if you've got that checklist in your, your working from home environment and you're achieving those things, it, it, it just you get that sense of, um, of, of self-worth for, for the day that you've achieved something as well. Otherwise... Yeah, you can just – I know myself trying to, to achieve things when I'm at home. It, it can be just too too, too big. I, I get too distracted otherwise. Yeah. yeah, we have a lot of distractions. And just thinking when you're saying that, you know, when you're in that team environment, that professional environment, you're in routines, but you don't think of it yes. like that. But it just works so smoothly and it runs so, you know, in tuned and, you know, ready to go in the next phase or, you know, next training session or whatever it is. But it's because they've set those routines up, um, you know, which – we don't even pay attention to it during the time, but if you're looking back on your career or in anything, you go, oh, that's why that was so successful and the stress wasn't there, the worry wasn't there because you didn't have to think about anything else. You just had to be there and do your, do your job. Yeah. Be on time, wear this, do this, yep. be there at this point. And, and if you weren't, they'd get someone else to do it. So yeah. you know, that's the alternative. And, and then you, you, you're obviously trying to – be a high, high achiever within that environment and challenging each other as well. So, um, but for all of us, you know, if it's a, a starting work time, if it's whatever it is, you, yeah, when that gets taken away from you, we can, we can drop into poor cycles, whether that yep. be, you know, alcohol or whatever it might be as well, yep. sort of. That's, so for me, I always bring it back to exercise. So what's the thing that's going to change me from not having a couple of red wines or a few beers on a Sunday night, well, it's I train at 5.30 on Monday morning or I've got my routine where I'm, you know, bouncing out of bed because if I, if I err on that, well, it affects me the day before and then it just keeps me in check every single day. Yeah, that's – and you're setting up the win the night before before you even get up, aren't you? So then it's not as, uh, right. it's not as hard as well, you know, when we're waking up at that early hour and go, oh, do I really want it? You've already created the win by, you know, planning yeah. the night before. So – yeah, and then that's the other part to it too. Is if you if you're locking in a a walking partner or a training partner or whatever it might be, you're relying on them. They're relying on you. So I know that this morning I trained with a mate at five thirty. It was raining last night. It was cold. It was dark, but I knew he'd be there at five thirty. And if I didn't turn up, I'd be letting him down. So having that having that person to rely on is massive yeah. as well. And that's brings in the connection piece as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say that when you mentioned connection before, it's connecting and, you know, it's like what you said, building the team or the connections around you. So you're all holding, holding each other accountable and, you know, moving forward. So um, yeah. I appreciate your time uh, for today and going through and giving us a bit of insight on where you've transitioned to and all the things you're doing now within the NRL, but in your personal life as well. Just to finish off, I always have two questions for my guests. Um, we've probably, we mentioned uh, the first one earlier on, but what, what gives you uh, purpose? 
Yeah, so for me now, my purpose, I'm a father. That's a, a massive part of my, my purpose. Um, but linked in with that is actually my routine around training. Um, but I, I truly believe my purpose right now is to help people, to help others. Yep. Um, I've always had that sort of inner feeling where I've always wanted to go out and try and help other people and now to to find a role and or be in that well-being space to be able to do that, you know, that for me is my purpose. And, yeah. and, and sometimes, sometimes I think, oh, you maybe not have enough self-belief to say as if any of these people are going to care what I say or what I think. But, yeah, it's, it's amazing just having a conversation with someone. You know, they pick up little things um, that that just a little bit what we've been talking about, just a number of things, having a conversation. Yeah, so for me, helping others is my purpose and, and trying to be a good father and a, a role model to my kids. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's awesome, mate. I um, applaud you for doing that and, you know, doing your own personal growth through, you know, professional footy to now family life into career and then being a father as well because it's all challenging in itself. So, um, uh, yeah, I definitely applaud you. And, yeah, that's a great purpose. Uh, to finish off with, uh, your favourite destination or a destination you'd love to travel to uh, anywhere within the world? Yeah, good question. Um, I would love to take we – we were fortunate 12 months ago, we actually – I took the family over. I was lucky enough to go to uh, the PADS conference in New York. So I was lucky enough to take um, – That's awesome. <laughs> take my family over to New York last yeah. year. So that was probably one and, – and we went to Disneyland off the, after it and that was an amazing experience. But I would love one day – my wife's always wanted to go to France, so I would love to – to take the family over to France and maybe even zip over to Italy or something like that as well one day. I know it's probably there's some some real challenges in the world at the moment, but yeah, I'd love to I'd love to do that. And home is where the heart is. So I grew up in Dubbo, so I was still you know destination destination <laughs> Dubbo. Still, Go back to Dubbo. Still, do you do you travel back to Dubbo much these days or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mum and dad. Still live there. One of my brothers yep. lives here. My other brother lives up the road in Mudgee. So we still, yeah, we were back there for the long weekend, took the kids to the zoo and all that. So, yeah, we, um, yeah, we love getting out there. Yeah, awesome. So Country life. You can't beat it, can you? Nah, a few little different destinations there from France to Italy to <laughs> Dubbo. But anyway. Well, you, you'll have to just do the Dubbo ones at the moment because we can't go too far, can we? <laughs> That's it. Nah. So. Yeah. Newcastle and Dubbo is about it. Newcastle and Dubbo. Mate, I appreciate your time today and uh, sharing some insight. I think the, the listeners will love it. Um, and thanks again for everything and all the no best. No worries. Good to you, mate. Good to chat. Yeah, great to chat.